Welcome to the Woke Blokes podcast, hosted by Nick Sutherland from MindFit and Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing. Let's get into today's episode. Nico. Hello. We're back. We are. So I've got the jingle in my head still. What jingle? Dun, 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 dun. Oh, our jingle. It's yeah, catchy, it's, isn't it? It is a catchy it's jingle. Catchy. I, I actually um, played that myself on the uh, instrument that you play to make that noise. Really? Yes. I think I, it was like a saxophone. and I don't I don't believe you. Like one of those one-man bands. You know, the guy who has the guitar Funny you say that, and the drums. I'm likening our jingle to the Seinfeld jingle. Oh, right. Bum, yeah, bum, bum. Okay. And that's all mouth poppy Mouth poppy Dude doing that himself So maybe you did do it as yourself Yeah We've got like the funky Yes New Seinfeld tune yes. You know the guy with the mouth organ And everything attached Yeah Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm one of those guys um, Today we are talking about The ebb and flow of life Ebb and flow Comes around like butterflies Is that going to be the new theme song? No No Pearl Jam Oh yeah classic even flow, ebb and flow. Oh, now, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Sorry, I'm a little bit slow today. Oh, let's just hit stop and start again. <laughs> uh, the ebb and flow of life. We have recently both, uh, not together, but separately, taken a bit of time away in solitude, mm. which was, you know, much needed. The reasons for that, I think we're going to get a lot into the ebb and flow of life and how that works, but I think we were both at a point where the. The it was more of an ebb, so things were a little bit lower. I was in an ebb. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. And so instead of then trying to force life to happen and, and things to happen, I think it's a time where you can take some time away and say, hey, maybe I need to slow things down instead of trying to speed things up. So what about you, mate? Where did you get away to? I went down to the amazing Tarabolga National Park near the Streslecki State Forest uh, in Gippsland. So 20 minutes north of Yarram. Uh, yeah, just I think it's the, the Caravan Park I stayed in. I took the camper down there, um, just plugged into a powered site and had three nights down there. I think it's uh, Victoria's oldest caravan park. Uh, really? Yep, surrounded by... Like there was a little creek running it, just you know, walk out of my camper and there's this creek and kookaburras and lyrebirds and it was just yeah, just rainforest. It was beautiful. Beautiful nature. Yeah. And no internet. <laughs> it wasn't intentional, but it was the best part of the trip. Yeah. There was no internet, no cell phone service, no anything. There was a, a pay phone that I used once just to say hi, I made it. And then uh, that cost me four bucks for about 20 seconds. Did it really? Yeah. I didn't know payphones were still around. I didn't know they were so expensive. I thought I'm it like, used to be 40 cents. Everyone's got mobiles. Yeah. Shouldn't you make them cheaper? <laughs> <laughs> Last time I used a payphone would have been like 40 cents. Last time I used a payphone was to turn into Superman and fly oh over there. God. <laughs> well, it is a bit of a Superman theme. We sort of went into our fortress of solitude for a... A few days. So if you didn't have any internet or phone, what the bloody hell did you do down there? Uh, sat. <laughs> Observed. It was, it was amazing. I, um, the first night I sort of kept unconsciously going to my phone to try and check something. And mm-hmm. I couldn't, obviously. Um, and, and then I probably took about 12 hours the next morning, I suppose, or maybe the next sort of midday. I think I broke that habit. Uh, the unconscious habit and it was the the relief I experienced was actually amazing it was mm. like 
I was freed from the bondage of my phone. It was. It's like that ball and chain, isn't it? Yeah, it was mm-hmm. the untethering, mm-hmm. and it was. Yeah, as I said, it was it was unexpected, but but the best part of the trip. Yeah. Um, and so I, what did I do? I just. Oh, I went into town. I to played golf at Yarram, mm-hmm. a lovely little golf course. Shout out to Yarram Golf Course. And uh, I had uh, I, I saw my phone. I had service there, and I, I went to check into Facebook to tell the world that I was playing golf <laughs> at Yarram. And then I pulled myself up, and I went, "No, I'm, you're not doing that. You're yeah. not doing that anymore. You're not." I ha- I've been on Facebook once to ask if anyone had a fridge since last Thursday and today's so it's like eight days. Mm-hmm. I just don't have any interest in going near it again. Mm-hmm. And something we, I think, could discuss because a, a couple of clients of mine are interested in it too is how can you run a business without all of that? And mm-hmm. so I, I think my time felt like a very analog experience. I said, so I went back to being analog. And I really feel that that, is, that suits me more. Um, you know, I was, I was writing a blog about it, and the first line was, uh, I'm sitting here typing this on a laptop. I'm kind of wishing it was a typewriter. Yeah. You know, I just I, I wanted to go back to that old analog analog stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think it's an interesting topic, like because that that is my my excuse for being on social media is that I have a business to run and I have to be on there. Um, I don't. How many I, social media accounts do you have? Uh, well, Facebook. Myself and the business, the Center for Healing, Instagram, myself and the Center for Healing. So I've got the same, and then I guess I run the work blokes. Yeah, we've got the work blokes on Instagram, Instagram yeah. as well. So I've got I've got a Facebook personal, a Facebook business, Nick Sutherland's, and then I've got MindFit Facebook. So I've got three Facebooks, mm-hmm. and then. Yeah, the the two Instagrams plus uh, plus this one. Yeah. So, but I think I I suppose I could limit it and just use the business one as needed because it was funny. I had the experience. I, you know, was away. I think uh, six days it was, and then yeah, same thing. No, no social media, no emails, and that kind of jazz. And mm. I got back home, and after I got home, I still sort of left everything off for half a day or so. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm like, all right, I better turn all this stuff back on and and see what's happened. Did you drip feed your way back into it? Uh, I drip feeded emails. Yeah. Um, so I turned emails back on and I had bloody heaps of emails and I just sort of went through, okay, what's most important? The rest yeah. can wait for tomorrow. And I just drip fed that. With uh, Facebook, I, you know, turned it back on and everything and, you know, flashes up on the phone. It's like 50 notifications. Yeah. And I'm like, oh God, quick, let me go in and check yeah. these notifications <laughs> to see what I missed. And I sat there and just sort of went through, you know, no, it didn't take long, but went through all of those 50 or whatever notifications. You didn't I, click on them all individually. You just looked at what they were. I clicked on a couple, okay. you know, I might've been tagging a funny meme or something, yeah. but I went through them all. And after going through, I went, I didn't fucking miss anything like this. Is, like this is literally nothing well, that I've missed out at on. At the golf course, I thought, why am I going to tag myself, check in here? No one gives a rat's ass <laughs> if I'm playing golf in Yarram. Literally nobody in the world would care. Yeah, It's just me. It was sort of my ego going, hey, everyone, look at what I'm doing. Look at where I am yeah. for, for some reason. Yeah. But there is these um, – it's funny you use the word tethered – I, um, when I was away, I read a book called The Untethered Soul mm-hmm. um, by Michael A. Singer, 
which had a, a massive impact on me. Yeah, like right. I think you know, I'm constantly reading books. I think when a, the right book hits you at the exact right time, yeah, yeah. Um, it can be very, very powerful. So yeah. that's just an amazing book. But I, I was reading that. I was untethering from you know digital things and the phone and that mm. kind of jazz. And I, I'll notice the first like day or day and a half that I was away and I just had an Airbnb and I'd sort of sit there and I might read a bit then look out the window for a while and, and my mind was just it, it just wants to latch onto things yeah. so I'll sit there and you know I'll, I'll see my water bottle and my mind's like you, sh- you should drink some water you, you think you're thirsty and I'm like no I'm not thirsty and then it's like well go to the sink fill up your water bottle so it's full and leave it out so then when you do want to drink soon then it'll be full and I'm like so what's what's, <laughs> what's driving all that then uh, it's it's being uneasy with doing nothing and sitting with ourselves. Mm. So and then it's and it's it can never be satiated because then the mind might go, uh, well look if you do that then then we're good we can just sit and do nothing and then you know go fill the water bottle up and then you sit down and then you're like that thing over there What's is next? not straight go, go and fix that. But the definition of happiness is to be content. Mm. So if you're never content, you're never experiencing that inherent internal happiness, are you? Absolutely. It's, and that's why you go for the band-aid happiness, the external stuff, to things to make us happy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's an old saying. It's like the all of all of humanity's problems arise from the fact that man can't sit by himself in a room for thirty minutes. Mm. And you know, I, I find that it takes me because there's so much go 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 with an active mind. It does take me when I have these weeks away that. It is a week, uh, sorry, a day, day and a half or so for everything to start to calm down, mm. like for that untethering process yeah. to happen. Whereas all of a sudden the mind's like, all right, we're doing nothing and that's okay. <laughs> How many of these have you done? Um, intentionally only two. Okay. Um, I have been away by myself, actually three, sorry. Um, I and did. Over what sort of period of time? Uh, I did one not long after I got clean. So we're talking three and a half, four years ago. Then I did one last year, uh, not long before Tommy, uh, my mm-hmm. son, was born. And then this one recently. Okay. So even the one that I did um, just before Tommy was born was incredibly beneficial as well. Yeah. And so me and Mel sat down. So we've got to do these. You've got to go and do this uh, more often because you're just, you're a better person. Yeah. <laughs> and, but obviously we had. Tommy so it's like we've got a baby so there's all hands on deck here so it's just taken six months so from now on we've already booked in the calendar my next one so it's going to be every quarter yeah, for okay. me so every three months a week just by myself yeah. solitude just to refresh and recharge I think I'm in the same boat I don't know if that's a personality type or trait or something but I'm the same like uh, when I met my partner Beck I was off to Thailand you know um, and we got together and I said, look, I'm, I'm going to Thailand in, indefinitely. I'm not sure what my plans are. Um, and then I came back and then I was off somewhere else. And, you know, I've, I've, I just need that that exploring and that... Um, I did it too, uh, going through my divorce. I went to uh, when I go to New Zealand mm-hmm. for 10 days just by myself. I had a camper. And, yeah, it was about a day and a half, two days into it. I'm driving along and all of a sudden I was like... Fuck, it's quiet in this head. <laughs> and I'd just been listening to music, and but I was actually hearing the lyrics. Faith No More song I, I was listening to for the first time. I actually heard the lyrics. Um, the the oh, I can't remember off the top of my head. It was something like the definition of happiness is um, feeding your soul or something, something around. Mm-hmm. That'll come to me later. But, yeah, it was uh, – 
when you get rid of all of the stimulus that's hitting your head and you're having to process, finally you get into a space where you can start experiencing that sort of peace and that yeah, becoming more present, serenity. Because, like, like you said, that there's no rest with this stimulus. So process, 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 and then that's why for me it takes that day, day and a half where the processing is still going on, yeah. even though the stimulus has stopped. Yeah. Then finally, the processing you've got a backlog. You've got. Yeah, <laughs> I'm surprised at day and a half actually <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with the backlog going on. So, um, but yeah, then yeah, then that stuff can start to calm down. And the interesting thing was as well when um, that started to calm down, um, I I slept like a lot. Like yeah. I'm, I'm like yeah, same. Yeah, like same. My, it's like the body was then like, all right, now I can relax too. Yeah. You know, so I was sleeping like, you know, 10, 11 hours at night, and then napping during the day, and I like never nap, like ever. Yeah. Um. So that was an interesting process, and just sort of embracing that as well. I was reading books at night, but I wasn't reading workbooks. I was reading, you know, just um, books that I enjoy, and yeah, but I was sleeping until like 10 o'clock in the morning, which I never do. But funnily enough, I. You know, when I went to the Vipassana retreat, you know, they said the man's problem is he can't sit for 30 minutes in a room. I sat for 10 days in a room and I didn't get tired. Like we were up at 5 a.m., you know, meditating. And I think just that constant um, meditation, because uh, they were talking about um, gurus who meditate a lot only really need three hours for our sleep a night. Mm-hmm. Because the meditation keeps your mind in a space where it doesn't need to go into that deep yeah. REM and all that stuff. So. That, make, that makes sense because I think the the mental chatter that goes on takes up a lot of energy because yeah. it's constantly like you're comparing everything, your, your mind's arguing about both sides of an argument. <laughs> Jumping into the future, creating this, all these yeah. unknown problems. This, the, the book I was reading, The Untethered Soul, it just said for, the, for a day just – observe that voice in your head but imagine it's outside of you so it's like a roommate and it's yeah. just hanging out with you all day yeah. and to spend the day with that person you realise how fucking crazy they are <laughs> get out you're it's, like, it's a maniac and, <laughs> and, and the funny thing is that we take that voice's advice all the time yeah. when it's the most irrational shit you've ever heard so yeah. if you had a friend who was giving you that kind of advice you'd be like I'm not fucking taking advice from you. What are you talking about? It's really funny because it is such an irrational mind but I think that's that the nature of the human mind is to find all the problems and to and to create all this fear to keep us safe and to keep us in our comfort zones and all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. So, yeah, yeah, to keep us safe but not to make us happy. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So you know, the work I'm focused on doing is teaching people to override that human nature and that old. Yeah, you know, we spoke about it with the caveman sort of mindset. We don't need that anymore. Mm. So I think yeah, that old that old programming from you know 100,000 years ago yeah. is still going around in our brain and be, now that our our physical self isn't under threat so now it's the psychological self yeah so this psychological self feels like it's under threat all the time and has to protect itself yeah but you don't see the physical self throwing itself in front of a car just to put us in hospital to no. get some respite no yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah mm. Uh, but interesting earlier what you said too, you know, you, you've you've already set the dates for other ones because when you go away you're a better person. Once again, at the core of sort of what we do at MindFit is it's built on this philosophy that before you can be a great father or husband or boyfriend or wife or sister or brother or whatever, you first and foremost have to be a good you. Mm. And I 
said to my partner, I've got to go away for a couple of days because I realised I was verbally sort of attacking her, like nitpicking her. I was sort of, I'd built up this unknown resentment and I was just like, that was me trying to push her away, going, give me some space, give Mm. me some space. I got like a tech foul at basketball and... You know, I'm I'm the meditation dude, <laughs> and here I am flaring up on the basketball court, getting white line fever. Yeah. And so there was all these signs. I can't picture that, by the way. Yeah. I wish someone videoed that. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy. And there's all these. So there's all these signs that I was just I was I was, um, yeah, I just felt inflamed, I suppose. And going away just really gave me an opportunity to bring myself back down and ground myself and reconnect and I think objectivity is such an underrated thing because so many people you know the expression you can't see the forest for the trees people are living in their day-to-day life but they never step out of it Mm. and take a moment to look at things objectively and I I talk to my business blokes that I work with and I say you know first thing to do on a Monday morning is go in the office and sit there for 15 minutes and just do nothing and they're like, oh, I can't oh, do that. That's not very productive. I can't do that. And I'm like, just try it. And I ring them a week later and they piss themselves off and go, that was the most productive 15 minutes I've ever had. <laughs> and I said, why? And they're like, well, because you see things differently and you can you can see things objectively and you can instead of being in it, you can assess it and reevaluate it and go, is that important? Do I need to do that? And you can really sort of reconstruct things in a way that I don't know it's just going to make things easier yeah it's like this process of uh, creating some space between our actions and our thoughts and our emotions between stimulus and response yeah well even just the maybe our our awareness or consciousness and then our actions and thoughts and emotions so because then then I can look at myself because if I'm stuck in my actions and emotions and thoughts, then there's no space to look at myself objectively. I just all of a sudden am those things and I get caught up in my own momentum so doing the same shit over and over. Can we put that in terms of, you know, Viktor Frankl, between stimulus and response is a space between, and that space allows your power to choose and that choice allows your freedom. So stimulus, space, response. And mm-hmm. you, you get to sort of slow down and think your way through things and, okay, no, I don't need to run off into there I don't need to I can just stay here and be calm whereas the other one I've found is most people have the space and the response mixed around so it's stimulus and then they react and then they go into the space and usually in that space is where they're creating all this suffering all Mm. these jumping to conclusions magnifying things blowing things out of proportion worst case scenario all of that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. so yeah it's really interesting that you say that um because I think it, it marries up with that concept of just slowing down, pressing pause. Uh, I don't need to answer this phone straight away. I don't need to respond to that email straight away. I don't need to look at that notification straight mm. away. I can just acknowledge that it's there and then just sit with it for a bit. But then also I think you, you know, say you get your tech foul at basketball, you then have to look at that and ask, you know, why is that happening? Because I was so reactive, I was so wound up. That's right. But I think a lot of us get caught in the trap where we won't 
look at that. So I might flare up a basketball and then go home and I might start to think about it and go, I don't want to think about that. That wasn't, you know, good behaviour or whatever. And I'll, then I'll just go and do whatever I was doing so before. sort of ignore it or bury it in brush the it off or and just go, oh, that was, don't know what that was. I think um, the definition of emotional intelligence is, is basically to be self-aware and then to self-regulate. And I think what I've spent a decade doing is trying to improve my emotional intelligence, my well, like EQ, they mm-hmm. call it. Yep. Um, and so that started with a self-awareness and catching myself and going, okay, I'm mindful of that. And then not beating myself up and not condemning and not judging myself, but observing myself objectively. And then self-regulating by changing it and going, no, actually that's that's not aligned with who I am or who I want to be or that doesn't feel genuine or authentic to me I have to make some changes I know that's an effect that's a byproduct I know the cause of that is being wound up so I've I've got to go and you know deal Mm. with that absolutely but then and then how did you go you've become aware of these reactions that you were having and realized that you need to take a bit of time how did you approach back with that because this is where people get caught up I think like even if especially guys listening who are like you know I'm am run down and probably need a little bit of time to myself but I can't fucking ask my partner about that because she'll tell me no well it's it was a non-negotiable really mm-hmm. if if she didn't understand that about me if she couldn't be compassionate and uh, empathetic and and make it about me and not about her then that would have been an issue yeah so if you're with a partner that doesn't want you to do that and that's all about balance like it's not a it's not a green light for blokes just to fuck off for a week every every, second week (laughs) (laughs) check out and hand over hand over the reins to the missus and deal with this i'm out of here it's it's a genuine um thing i i I talked to becca about it i said uh, I've got mates who are family guys through and through. They, you know, th- they their souls get fed through being there with their kids day in, day out and all this sort of stuff. And I really admire them, uh, but I don't think I'm one of them. Mm-hmm. I, uh, yeah, I, I, I have this, uh, I don't even have a child, a biological child, you know, Beck brought her little boy into our relationship, um, thankfully, and he's amazing. But yeah, biologically, I don't have any children, so I um, I'm probably still haven't had that chemical shift or that chemical change you know, within me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was just really important for Beck to understand, to support me in that, I suppose. And same for you, I guess. Yeah, yeah, same. So I I went to Mal and just said, you know, I'm struggling with A, B, and C mm-hmm. for this reason. Because of that, I think, you know, the best option is for me to take some time, maybe take a week. Yeah. Now, because I was um, vulnerable and open and we have that kind of relationship and I can be really open with what I'm struggling with or mm. what I'm feeling, then, you know, it, it, she was like, yeah, absolutely, let's do it. Yeah. You know, because it's not just like, hey, I'm cruising off for a week and I'll be back soon. Yeah. It's, um, it's there's a reason for it. She understood the reality of it instead of conjuring up a reality in her head, a story in her head and going, oh, it just wants a break from me. She didn't take it personally. No, no. Which says a lot about her. Yeah, absolutely. 
and especially for a, you know a new first time mum sticks into the job and and for her to go yep go away and do your thing that's you know massive well it's like one of our kind of non-negotiables in the relationship is not taking stuff personally mm. <laughs> and if we do we let each other know straight away I'm taking this personally because yeah. you got to be open with that because it's just it's such a natural inclination to want to do that and whatever action be is taken oh this is all about me yeah. right which just isn't the case but then you know that do you want me to call you a wambulance yeah <laughs> a wambulance <laughs> Um, um, and then even but after you know I got back last week and you know I've been it's been just such a fantastic week with her and with Tommy and everything and you know it just sort of reinforces like she's like oh you're just your energy's just so different now so you know you can see the benefits from that I'm working this week at work I have been on fire like my clients are walking out on top of the world it's just I'm in such a flow right now and and works and and that's simply because I I emptied my mind I emptied my head I let my energy mm-hmm. sort of uh, I, what's it calibrate I recalibrated yep. I think and so step into the office now I'm not you know I never know what the fuck I'm doing with my clients good advertising come to mind for you <laughs> but, but it's true it's all a, yeah. it's all a subconscious process with me it's just a, a very intuitive process and. I had a guy come in yesterday and he's was like, oh, I've got, I got, got the story to say, this is what happened at work. I said, I don't want you to go into your story. I don't want to get dragged into your story. Let's just park your story. Let's acknowledge it. Let's go over here. And he walked out and he said, I'm so glad you didn't let me go into my story. And I'm like, cool, man. So, you know, and I'm walking home and I'm re-energised from my day at work and I'm yeah. fucking, this is great. And, and I'm better at home and it's, it's all good. And this, this comes back to the ebb and flow piece. So um, I... <laughs> I imagine ebb and flow is like surfing, even though I've never surfed in my life. But <laughs> it's like there's, you know, there's certain conditions and certain times where the surf's good, and there's really good sets of waves coming in, and you can jump on those things. And I imagine you jump on your surfboard. You, you sound like an experienced surfer. And you hang ten. You sound Hawaiian. <laughs> I'm just stoked to be talking about all this. Certain conditions, you know? bro. <laughs> And the surf's good and you ride those waves. Yeah. yeah. And in those times, you think everything is probably happening a bit easier and you're like, oh, surfing's great. I enjoy surfing. Yeah. Then there's times when there's no waves. Yeah. There's no surf. Now, you can stay out there on your board and keep paddling and paddling and paddling and waiting for those waves or you can realise this isn't happening right now. I'm going to go in and I'm going to rest. Or you can just sit out there on your board and appreciate the fact that you're in nature and you can watch the sunset. Well, and you can, can you stop picking at my surfing analogy? So, <laughs> what's happened? If you were speaking from a, from a place of knowledge, then I wouldn't pick at it. <laughs> <laughs> what 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 could I what do I have? No, it's a great about? it's a great metaphor. Is I it? like it. It is. All right. Sweet, bro. But it's uh, I think there are three options. So you yep. can you can keep paddling, yep. which most people do. You can come back into shore, or you can just sit with it yes. and and sit in that acceptance that yep. there's none now. You know, back to Buddhist philosophy, everything's impermanent. A swell in the ocean is impermanent. It's always going to change, and then it'll drop, and then it'll come back. So you can just sit there and wait. Yeah. But then I think what you did and me, but we'll talk about you, you noticed an ebb 
okay? There's bits of resentment, some stuff coming up. It's like I'm in an ebb at the minute, yeah. okay? So I'm going to take a bit of time away by myself just to consolidate my thoughts, just recharge and that kind of thing, yeah. right? So you essentially came out of the ocean because there's no surf going on and you, and you rested, right? Yeah. Because of that, now you've refreshed, recharged and you've come back out to the ocean and surf's up. Yeah. And you're riding those yeah. that those waves now and you're starting to get in flow. Yeah. Now, I think what we do, especially as guys, is this resentment starts to creep up. We start to get more angry or frustrated or stressed with work, with home, with whatever it is. And we're in an ebb, but we don't acknowledge that it's an ebb and we just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. So and we, pushing. Go, we, go, we go from flow into an ebb and then instead of waiting for the flow again or doing something to get back into the flow, we go into force. Yes. And that just has a detrimental effect. Yeah, because all of a sudden we get more worn out and stressed and tired and this ebb that might last three days, a week, three weeks, yeah. this ebb all of a sudden lasts three months, six months, a year, and it could be years. We're just stuck in this ebb because we're not – acknowledging that's where we are and starting to take our time out. And then what happens then because we keep doing that, then our, we start to run into health issues yep. because the body starts to shut down because of all this stress. I got sick twice over the last six months, which I never get. Mm-hmm. Like I was that run down that uh, you know, just exposed me to to all these illnesses. Yep. So yep. that it, was another sign. Yeah. Well, that's the, yeah, the sign of the immune system. But you know, you're talking about going to force, I think. When guys get that wound up, they start going, oh, she gives me the shits or work's giving me the shits or everything like that. It's always everything else doing things to you and that's personalizing it as well. Mm-hmm. But it's also completely giving your power away. Mm-hmm. And, and as soon as you say this thing gives me the shits, you remember the garden we spoke about last week, you've stopped attending to your garden. Yeah. And you're just expecting work or the missus or your kids or clients to come and weed your garden and when they don't you're fucking wide you're doing it yeah so that the key to your happiness or peace yeah. or that kind of stuff you've just handed those keys over to a bunch of external people in your life you've handed your surfboard over to someone yeah. else <laughs> Such a good analogy. It just it just keeps on giving. <laughs> it just keeps working. <laughs> and then yeah and then we you're exactly right. And then we also run into trouble us guys We'll find excuses not to take that break. So, you know, I, I had this as well. It's like, well, in my mind, I'm like, I know that I really need to take a bit of time by myself. But here's all my limitations. Oh, I've got this fucking business to run and this has to happen and there's this client and then I've got a kid at home who's six months old and all this kind of stuff. And, really and that voice, like yeah, that. is like, you can't, you can't, you can't. Because it may, you know, you're, you'll be letting people down or, you know, you can't take the financial hit there's always some sort of excuse but we know? spoke about the laws of life and and that the sense of duty and that responsibility to make everyone else happy yeah remember in the other podcast and we're like you've got to remove yourself from those rock hard concrete iron obligations yeah. and create some flexibility in there you're going to come back a better person exactly yeah, which is which is the case, and I think sometimes we get like a little bit attached to our pain, a little bit, and a little bit of victimhood creeps in. Oh, totally. Because it's like, well, I've got this, this, and this responsibility, and because all of these people rely on me, I can't take this time. You, you go down the pub and listen to tradies, you know, at three o'clock having a beer in the back bar, and it's all oh, I've worked. 
50 hours this week. Oh, I've worked fucking 60 years, softcock. Oh, no, no, cunts, I've done 70. Jesus, you know. It's all this, this uh, macho, bloody ego who's done more who's got who's suffering the most oh chop my finger off there that's nothing mate i went to work with no arm yeah. you know <laughs> fucking good on you mate why didn't you go to hospital you dickhead yeah. nah i don't do that's for fucking pussies yeah it is um yeah it is a lot i remember back when i was a trading it was a similar thing a lot of it was just around this complaining and the image I have in my head, everyone's like shoulders are forward and lean down, just like yeah. this beaten up kind of physiology. Yeah. And I think, yeah, we do get attached to that. It's like some sort of badge of honour, but it's a pretty shitty badge. Look how much I can bear. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, uh, that's what it comes down to. <laughs> Let's move on to, uh, what you talk about here, mate? About meditation's only half the job. Yeah, I thought of that the other day. Because going away um, gave me that space, and, and you know, meditation's a wonderful I don't know, resource or tool to have in your day-to-day life. But it's uh, sort of came into an understanding that it's only half of the equation. Because meditation helps to. I, I live a very mindful life, so I think I could have gotten into. A, a lot worse position if I hadn't have um, created this operating system that I have now. So flare up on the basketball court, the you know nitpicking at the misses, and getting sick. That would have been, without exaggeration, twenty times worse mm. if I hadn't have learnt to live a more mindful life. Mm. Um, and then add to that some meditation as well. Um, that that sort of kept me out of out of the rough seas when I'm surfing, yeah. uh, away from the rocks, um, off the reef. That kept me... Kept you from wiping out. <laughs> um, but and, and it's weird. Like, as, as mental health practitioners, people think we have these superpowers and people think that we're immune to the, the same things that they are. Mm. Do you find that? Yeah, yeah. I think people think, like, nothing goes wrong for you. Yeah, well, people look at you and go, all right, well, you, you, you teach this stuff, you help people, you must be great at helping yourself. Mm. Yeah, of course, that's the natural assumption. But in the trade industry, how many fencing contractors have a really nice front fence? Mm. None. How many chefs go home and cook themselves amazing meals? Yeah. None. I was, I was an air conditioning mechanic for 11 years and we never had air conditioning a in a wet box. <laughs> <laughs> But thankfully, because we've had that lived experience, I think we both are very proactive at yeah. managing our mental health and, and looking after ourselves. So we're lucky in that regard. But um, like when, I had a question before. When, when, the, when the phone stops ringing, as a business owner, when the phone stops ringing, do you go into fight flight? Well, What's this mythical time when the phone stops ringing? Tell me more. <laughs> Tell me more about this. So it's an ebb and a flow to business life. There's an ebb and a flow to the universe, so, Ryan. There's a constant pulsating. Um, How do you mean? So, you know, business. sometimes you're busy, sometimes you're not oh, busy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? mm-hmm. So the phone rings off the hook for a couple of weeks mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it's just crickets. Yeah. Yep. When it's crickets, what I've observed is everyone goes into that 
reaction. So the stimulus is the phone stops ringing, they react, and then they go into this headspace where they're like, oh, work's fucked. Oh, God, I'm not going to pay the bills next month. Oh, and they just go into catastrophe. Yes. What do you do? A little bit of that. <laughs> um, I, I, I wouldn't call it catastrophe, um, but you do tend to your mind. Well, my mind will naturally start to move towards. Oh, this, you know, I, I hope will, will the phone start ringing again, or has something happened? You know, is this that's uh, an interesting thing that that's, uh, that's, I hope. You use the word hope. I hate the word hope as well, and I'm pissed it. off that I used it. I hate, I hate the words hope and try and, and, and pray. I oh, just I hope and I pray that, yeah. that this will happen. It's such a disempowering expression, and and for me, that's people going externally and outsourcing mm. their their shit. So what we I normally have so this is what this is the pattern. So say if it is yeah slow month, there'll be a few thoughts like oh shit, you know things start picking up on that, and then all of a sudden, me and Mel will normally then go into kind of innovation mode yeah. so what, what do we need to do here what's going on yeah. what do we need to do with marketing do I need to change something on the website like what do we need to do to start yeah. turning things around that's generally how it works but there's definitely a bit of stress that creeps in yeah hmm. I, I go and play golf yeah so this is um, yeah go on yeah. <laughs> I just see it as a I, I, the, I think I'm talking about parameters now mm-hmm and the parameters I have in my head for my business is the, the the very end of the ebb and the very end of the flow. So I'll be flat out chockers racing and then I'll sort of get a bit quieter and then I'll get really quiet and then all of a sudden she'll pick up again and, and I can't control it. I st- I've stopped trying to control it. I've stopped mm-hmm. riding that roller coaster and I just move more into this sense of trust. Yeah, yeah. That so that's – I'm <laughs> – we, we talk about this every time it happens about just trusting and going with the flow. Yeah. I'm having trouble with that. Uh, I'm, buy a I'm, surfboard. I'm still, I'm, I might have to get into it. What yeah. do you reckon? Yeah. It seems hard, but I reckon, <laughs> you know, that's why I haven't tried get, surfing. Getting it just off, seems get, really getting off hard. ice and GHB was easy. Piece of cake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but surfing, nah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I. I always, I'm like, yeah, just trust, we'll trust, you know, trust the universe, you know, just do that. But um, I still find myself forcing it's hard to forcing do, things yeah. a bit. It's hard to do. So, and it goes against, it's hard, I think, because it goes against that fight-flight response. Yeah. You know, it goes against um, common, common current thinking. Yes. You know, it's, it goes against the grain. Yeah. And so when I tell people, they say, how's work? And I say, yeah, she's quiet. Oh, what are you doing? You know, you jump on this, you're doing a special, you're discounting your price. I'm like, oh, I'm going to play golf. Yeah. <laughs> what? What? Why? Yeah. Don't you have to do this? I'm like, I don't have to do anything. Yeah. It's interesting because I, get, I get caught up in this thing where and I know that it's, it's not true, but it's very hard for me to then act on it. And that is... I need to be worried or stressed about something in order for it to happen, mm. you know? So it's like, you know, if I there's some bills that need to be paid this month or whatever, it's like if I worry and stress about it, that will make me take some action, I suppose, to actually get that result that I want. Now, I know that not to be true and that's a lot of wasted energy, yeah, but right. it's, it's, it's very conditioned, so it is a little bit hard to get past. Yeah. Oh, it, it took me ages to... Learn how to do it, and I don't, I don't just go and play golf. You know, I am, I am proactive still. I am when it, when the phone stops ringing, I go okay. Well, 
yeah, uh, uh, first thing is to go and play golf, mm. and then I'll come back and go, okay, well, uh, I've got this spare time. How can I? How can I use this time? Yeah. But uh, you can take action without worrying and stressing about it, right? Well, because you said you hit the nail right on the head. It is to me, it's the biggest waste of energy, and I, I've wasted so much energy in my past that. It, I understand now how precious it is mm. and how important it is and how, to me, it's, it's very vital. So the last thing I want to do is... And, and, the, and the, the purpose of me being in business, you know, my why, is to alleviate what I consider to be unnecessary suffering. A client the other day said he got this letter from the ATO and he went into, ah, oh, he got this massive bill, wow, oh, you know, flared up, just went into these emotions, had this, uh, you know, needed an external coping mechanism to feel better. Completely normal in inverted commas and, and understandable. But to me, can be completely negated as well. Mm. So the stimulus is you get the letter and now, you know, oh, this is what got me into agoraphobia. It was a letter from DVA, mm-hmm. you know, lots of letters from DVA telling me what I was and wasn't entitled to and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I, so I used to do that so much to the nth degree that, that it, it debilitated, it disabled my mind. Um, and so that's why I know how important our energy is because mm. I've been to that end of the spectrum. It's, that's, that's, it tends to be how it works, isn't it? Yeah. It's like you get pushed so far in one direction yeah. that you really – if you get past I'll, it – I want to be as far away from that as yeah. I can, which is at the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. yeah. So it's like if you do – and some people can stay in that state for so long, but the ones that do the work and have that realisation and get past it, it's like – God, I don't want to go back to that. <laughs> so you work for the opposite. Yeah, I spoke to a client when I got back on Monday. Um, he's got to do an Ironman. And he actually, interestingly enough, came to see me years ago because he had no energy. And he does triathlons and Ironman and that, and he was really struggling. And we found that he Does he was, eat Nutri-Grain? Well, no. So I just prescribed him <laughs> some Nutri-Grain and bang. Ironman fell. Off he went. <laughs> uh, we found that he, he was burning through energy on an unconscious level just like it was going out of fashion um, and it just his his way of operating was very explosive takes lots of energy to explode you know you imagine an atom bomb the energy in an atom bomb heaps of energy so when we taught him detachment he went off and did a 10 day Vipassana retreat and everything uh, when he changed the way he operated at it sort of allowed his energy to be used in a completely different way. So, um, you know, avoiding burnout, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and anyway, so he told me he did the math and then, and then I did it as well. And it was true that if you spend half an hour of your working day on Facebook, then by the end of the year, you've spent over three weeks of your three working weeks on Facebook per year. Now, that's just three 10-minute scrolls. How easy is it to get lost scrolling and in Facebook oh. and watching a YouTube video and yeah. you, know, you go down the rabbit hole? It's, it's designed like, that way. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's like bloody Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. And so that's three and a half weeks nearly. What could you do to your – how could your business benefit from you taking three weeks Yeah, that's, like, that's nearly someone's annual leave yeah. for the year. But imagine taking – you know, 
uh, every three months taking a week off to go and meditate or go and just switch off or go surfing for a week. Yeah. You, know, you could better spend that time, but we do it because we're just trying to escape this reality into a virtual reality for a while just to take a break. Mm. So yeah. it's, it was really interesting. Um, where were we going with that? Uh, meditation being half the job. Yeah. So it was, it was all about stimulus, I think. It was like, yeah, meditating is great, but then we need to step away from all the stimulus. So, yeah, I think you might have read the study about children, their brains are the equivalent to experiencing a car crash um, if they watch heaps of TV because their brains are so underdeveloped and so fragile and... Uh, they haven't got those processes and filters in that adults do, that their brains are just getting smashed mm. with information and they're just lighting these kids up and it's the equivalent to, to experiencing a car crash. Really? Yeah. So it's like us seeing a car crash beep, you know, with yeah, our brain like and that being kind of in thing. It, It's like your head being involved in an accident. Wow. Being in the car crash. Yeah. So that's what's happening to these kids. Yeah. And we're wondering why there's all these mental health issues. Yeah. It's crazy, right? One plus one equals potato. <laughs> so what, how do you feel like this little bit of time off has benefited you? How's that apart? I mean, work's going fantastic this week. What else? Uh, yeah, I just feel me again, I suppose. Yep. Um, centred? I feel centred. Yes, yes. Grounded, centred, mm-hmm. balanced. Um, yeah, played basketball last night. and No was, tech fouls? Was cool as a cucumber man <laughs> it's funny I, I talk to people about the central nervous system being like a giant rubber band mm-hmm. and every time you your operating system is stimulus react and then go into the space it's like that rubber band twists once mm-hmm. so imagine over the course of the day how many times a person will react to a letter an email a phone call something someone says something that doesn't happen they don't receive something blah 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 by the end of the day, the central nervous system is so wound up mm. that what do they need to then go and do? Try and unravel it in some way. Yeah, what's the common expression? Uh, I need to go and unwind. Unwind. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a literal expression. <laughs> yeah. I need to go and unwind. What do we use to unwind? Well, a glass of red. GHB. GHB. Smack. Netflix. Beer, Netflix, gambling. Mm-hmm. Um, shopping, you know, spending money. So we, we tap into these coping mechanisms. I have, I've heard a lot of people say before about their own gambling and just go and relax. I'm like, there's nothing more unrelaxing than gambling. <laughs> than all that stimulus. Specifically lighting up your brain. Yeah. Like, dun, 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 bang, 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 ding, 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 dong. But it's, it's escaping. It's not it relaxing. Yeah. It's getting out of this reality. Yeah. And, and that's what I, I realised when I was suicidal. I, I didn't want to end my life. Uh, it was just like I, I just wanted to check into a permanent Facebook or a permanent gambling sort of thing. It was yeah. uh, I wanted to stop living the life I was in. Yeah, I wanted to stop living the experience that I was in. That's right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's the same thing as drugs. You know, it's, it's people have you know suicidal ideation 
where they'll have you know suicidal thoughts all like a lot of the time like most days or most weeks mm. um and to, to me it's the same as as a drug addict so it's like you know that my reality is too painful i need to escape for some people drugs serve that escape so then mind automatically goes there for a lot of people that last resort is is committing suicide because that will be a way for the pain to end so your reality is too painful what's creating a person's reality uh, their model of the world, which is constructed in their mind, their perception. Correct. Yeah. So their their perception of everything that's happened uh, up until this point, all their traumas, their experiences, their high emotions, their lower emotions, everything that's happened to them, which none of it, all of it, is a mind made structure, because all of those, all of our reality, our personal reality, in inverted commas, is all an illusion. But that illusion is what causes this pain. So is the beating they copped when they were a kid the cause for all of their pain and suffering or is it... Is the what? The, the beating that they copped as a kid mm-hmm. the, the the cause of all of their pain and suffering as an adult or is... Like, so at the moment I'm going through some stuff with DVA mm-hmm. um, and I was thinking about this on the way here. And I got linked in with a psychiatrist a few months ago because I had a question. I went to my GP and said, I'm really struggling with, with how to frame an experience in the army. Uh, you shared last week, so I'll share this week. And so uh, after I did my knee, you sort of get thrown on the scrap heap and um, you just treated like shit, basically, because you're, you're worthless. You can't do your job. And, and that's just the mentality. Um, and part of that was uh, I was walking along and six or seven dudes jumped me, um, stripped me butt naked, zip tied me to a like a wire cage, uh, and you know, I was there for half an hour and there were fire hoses and you know, aerial whips and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and then they just walked off eventually, got bored, and a mate sort of saw me and cut me down. And, um, and that was so that was. I could never really sort of process that. I I took it personally for ages, but I now realise that that says more about them than it says about me. But that 22-year-old version of me couldn't do that at the time. And so his perception was um, that he was – it was his fault. He was shit. People didn't like him, blah, blah, blah. You know, the, the narrative was really dark, really gloomy. Um and so I, I was a bit confused about it all. And so I went and saw a psychiatrist and he, he, he put a label on it that really helped me. It was called sexualized violence. Mm-hmm. And because I didn't think it was sexual assault because in my mind I think of sexual assault as you know, uh, someone getting raped or... Um, and so I was a bit confused as to what it was and so anyway I've linked in with DVA um, and I've got to go to the ombudsman and talk to him about that and all this sort of stuff and and it's just really interesting because I'm deemed to have, to be able to work I just went to the doctors this morning and I've got a medical certificate it's an ongoing one I, I'm um, been deemed to be able to work 15 hours a week because um, I was discharged with a permanent knee injury and uh, adjustment disorders, anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. And it takes a lot of hours a week to, to manage those and stay on top of those things. Um, and it was funny, the ebb and flow concept kicked in with that and I think that's where the, today's theme really came into it because 
Some sometimes I can do as I was saying over ramen. Shout out to our sponsors, Hutchison <laughs> Ramen, World Ramen. Um, I sometimes I can do thirty hours a week, but then other weeks I can't do anything because, like today, my knees are killing me, mm-hmm. and it's just uh, it's give or it's give or take. It's ebb and flow. It's good and bad sometimes. You know, it's it's really weird. So yeah, it was. Um, and how did that? Just back to that the uh, label that you got how was that uh, did that sort of consolidate in your mind so that you could have the story could kind of click and make sense as to yeah, what I happened yeah I could put it somewhere yeah you know uh, were, for years it was just flying around causing heaps of damage mm-hmm. because of my perception of it because of how I associated with it and pictured myself in that story and everything um, a lot of work to sort of stop it causing as much damage as it was um, but it's weird I, I had this thought on the way here as well like if I go and talk to an ombudsman and I have to talk to people about it and they go well, you know do you need you know, for me I need closure on it I think I don't want anyone to get put in jail or anything like that I realise it was just dickheads being dickheads and all mm. that sort of stuff and uh, and I'm over it to be to be honest but this version of me is over it, but that 22-year-old version um, still experienced something really traumatic. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a weird, I don't know, it's an oxymoron or a, it's, it's a, it's, yeah. But that's hard because, the, the, I mean, the 22-year-old still lives in you. Yeah, but if they say, right, we're going we're gonna to compensate you for, you know, for what you experienced... Uh, do they deem that on how I am now, or how, mm. or what I experienced? Yeah, you know, and it's a, it's an interesting. Well, that's a tough one. I mean, you, you started off this by saying, you know, in, with our map of the world and our model, if I was, you know, beaten when I was a kid, uh, and that's the cause. Of, is that the cause of all my suffering now? Yeah. Well, <laughs> if I if someone was beaten as a kid, that's not their fault. No, but them still suffering now and then being able to heal that that's their responsibility as we've spoken about yeah so mm. i think um I, and i'm not going through this to get compensated you know as i said i'm over it i just wanted closure around it mm-hmm. um but a social worker from veterans affairs rang me yesterday and said look this is probably going to be a process for you uh and she mentioned the word compensation so i'm like i, I started that was a stimulus and I went into this space and I just started unpacking and pondering it and mm-hmm. I'm like because I felt this tiny little build of guilt and I'm like I, I don't oh, want to get I, I just I'd be, feel awkward to get compensated for something mm-hmm. that happened in 2001 mm-hmm. um, you know now then what, what's the closure you're looking for then I just I don't know just an acknowledgement of yeah. someone to validate it yeah. that it happened yeah, really. That's that's all I want. Mm-hmm. Just to, um, but I, I, when I was pondering it, I went, I don't, I don't think I can make it about me. I have to make it about that twenty-two-year-old yeah. kid and what he went through and what he experienced. He just because I've got the tools and resources and everything now, that's great. But he didn't have any of that. No. And so. And I mean, after that, in between then and now, I mean, you went into alcoholism and, <laughs> you know, suicidal thoughts and all that kind of jazz. So mm. it's, yeah, that's definitely an interesting, interesting space to be in. Isn't it? Yeah. Mm. 
So I thought I'd just share that with people and I think it helps uh, give people an understanding of, you know, what you went through. Yeah. You know. But then I think people, when you start to say, oh, well, you know, you've got your own model of the world and your perception. So if you're suffering, um, that's kind of your creation. Then um, people naturally get very defensive to that because it's like, oh, well, you're not, you're invalidating my trauma and what's yeah. happened to me and that kind of thing, yeah. which you, I can understand why it comes across that way. So yes, it's a story in the mind that needs to change, but also if it's trauma, like trauma work needs to be done, I believe, if trauma is being held in the body. Because you can try and reframe a story as much as you want to try mm. and make sense of what happened to you in your past and be like, yeah, well, when I was younger, you know, it was because my dad was an alcoholic and, you know, his dad beat him and, mm. you know, so it wasn't his fault. That's just how he saw the world and all Sand that kind of jazz. Again. Yeah, and so you can you can really try and rationalise it. But if that five-year-old you, that eight-year-old you, that ten-year-old you is still holding the trauma from back then, then the work has to be done to actually resolve that because you can rationalise it all day long. If the trauma's still in the subconscious and the body, you're going to get yeah, triggered. totally. So I had to do that. I had to go internally and that 22-year-old, the adult version of me, had to go back, find that 22-year-old and educate him and teach him how to let go of all of that stuff. Yes. You know, and reframe it in his mind. Yes. Reframe his experience of it. Um, and that's yeah, that's a technique for resolving trauma. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but it was really interesting as well. My first, my very first Pilates session, um, because my knees crook so my hips out of whack and it goes up your back and affects everything um and my very first party session i'll get down to this two kilo pink dumbbell right and it was amazing and she's like all right now just do this but don't use your big muscles use your little muscles and i'm like what <laughs> Finally, my mates could see me now i'm like all right watch out i'm gonna need some room to move to throw this on around and i went oh my god i can't do it and i was i was yeah. amazed at how difficult it was yeah wow. and then i started doing some other things and the um i started crying and it was so weird that I was laughing and crying at the same time and I had no idea what I was crying about. And I was like saying to my players instructor, is, is this normal? What's, what's what going on? What have you on? done to me? Yeah, and she said she's seen it in a few cases where it's the body letting go of the trauma. Yeah. And I was so amazed It's at that. incredible, right? It's, it's, I've heard so many stories in Pilates or yoga or even uh, massage. Yeah. So a few friends are massage therapists yeah. and they'll go through and all of a sudden they'll touch a certain spot yeah. where trauma's been encoded in the body and it'll just be a release and it'll be either tears or laughter yeah. or combination yeah. of all this stuff coming out. It's such it's a cathartic experience. But then yeah. go back to when I was 30, you know, to deal with my childhood stuff, I went to see mum and she played that Linkin Park song and just held me in, my, in her arms and said, it's not your fault. And I had this massive ab reaction, this emotional release. And, and that was, yeah, that was an emotional release. And then I had a physical release yep. uh, as well. And it's, it's you know, so th th this version of me, I guess what I'm trying to say is is so much cleaner and healthier and stronger and more empowered and, and able, my capacity is, you know, uh, a lot better than where it was when I was little uh, or when I was leaving the army. But 
we're, we're still human as well. Mm. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing that if, if you don't bring into the, your mindset, if you don't bring into these parameters this concept of ebb and flow, then you're going to ride those highs, you're going to ride those lows and it's, you know, you're going to ride the waves and you're going to wipe out. And yeah, well, you're going <laughs> you, to uh, suffer because, you know, that was my life for uh, most of it was just being on this constant, you know, high or low. And as soon as I'm in that low space, I'm like, I'll do anything to get out of this low space, no yeah. matter what it is. And then that drugs, alcohol, gambling, whatever yeah. it was. Like, so I just, I was here and I didn't want to be here. Get me out. And then when I was experiencing the highs, I'm like trying to clutch onto it for dear life. Cause I'm like, this needs to last forever <laughs> or I'm not going to be happy. So it's just when you're in those states, you're basically never happy because even in the high times, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. worried about that being taken away, which it's guaranteed <laughs> that it's going to be Everything's taken away. Impermanent. Everything's impermanent. So, but it's a, f- a funny expression as well. Like when when we don't get what we want, we suffer. And when we get what we want, we suffer because it can yeah. be taken away from us. <laughs> so it's the same thing. We're, we're so going to have an ebb and that's fine, but yeah. we're going to have some flow. But if you get a attached to the desire of having that flow be permanent then you're fucked yeah Yeah. it's like you get you know you get that really new car and you're like oh yeah I finally got it I got the car then you take out all this insurance you wash (laughs) it every day you don't want to park it anywhere because you're worried someone's going to scratch it and you're suffering again it's it's, I was also today when I was sitting in that space found a little bit of guilt around and, and I think it was more an acknowledgement that people d- don't understand the ebb and flow it's people like DVA especially is a very very black and white system uh, and that was a catalyst for me spiraling down uh, it triggered all of my unhelpful thinking styles and and that's where I went into rock bottom um but I'm sitting there thinking, right, if someone from DVA hears that, you know, I'm playing golf or I'm playing basketball or something like that, they're going to go, this dude's got a permanent knee injury and he's mm. got meant to have anxiety and depression and he's talking about how healthy he feels. <laughs> like They're not going to understand, and you, which, which I completely get. Yeah. But ebb and flowing, and there's some days where I can't fucking get out of bed. Yeah. You know? I think that, that always happens whenever you go to the doctor's, I think you'll go in for something, but then when you get there, you kind of act sicker than what you are. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm just he turn needs, on the waterworks. He needs to know that I'm, you know, I'm crook. So, yeah. you know, it's yeah. I always see that, and I always do it. Like you know, might have a, you know, this cold or something, and it's like you know, it's a five out of ten <sighs> annoying. But then when you get in there, it goes to an eight, and you're like, <laughs> oh yeah, it's <sighs> just should have blood checkup as well. Horrible, I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> what's the what's the best medication you got? Because it's like, oh, well, I'm at the doctor. I might as well be fully sick. <laughs> <laughs> fully sick, mate. Fully sick on my surfboard. Uh, but it's, uh, it was, a, it was a, I suppose it was a bit of imposter syndrome, maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, because as I said, my capacity is much better than where I was uh, when I left the army. But uh, I've had to work really fucking hard to get to where I am now. Mm. You know, like really hard and it takes a lot to maintain this um, and so the the days where I can you know chuck on some boots and run up and down a basketball court I suffer 
immensely after that. Yep. You know, the, the, there is retribution, <laughs> there is payback, there is ice on the knees, and yeah. and all sorts of shit. And when I play golf, I don't play golf the same as other people. I have to compensate for my my knee not working properly, mm-hmm. and that then affects my hip, and that affects other stuff. So I suffer for that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think people look at that or take that into account they just see Nick's playing golf or Nick's playing yes. basketball yeah, yeah. You know, or Nick's smiling today I thought he had depression yeah <laughs> what are you fucking smiling for <laughs> turn that smile upside down yeah, uh, yeah I think we do that with ourselves a bit too like we'll um, you know say you're having this really good week right and you know you might be doing well with clients things are going well at home you're, you're playing an awesome round of golf and like everything's like you know yeah. at, the, at, at the top of your flow you know potential and then you go oh this is what I'm capable of, and then now you make this unconscious decision, this is how I'm going to be forever, right? So then all of a sudden when the next week or the next month comes by and those standards dip a bit, then we'll start going into suffering because you're like, oh, I should be up here. This is where I was at. This is what I'm capable of. I had a client do it yesterday, mm-hmm. and I I feel I have your permission to talk about this. You know who you are and you're listening. Um, she's talking about her dad, and she, she's she been through a lot in her life, physically and emotionally, and, and she's an amazing, strong, courageous woman. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, she said yesterday on the session she was really struggling with her dad, you know, instead of ringing, picking up the phone and ringing, he just sent a, a, a text message and she's always having to try and connect and attach and do all the heavy lifting in their relationship. And what I boiled down to, what we figured out was that dad's an emotional retard in a literal sense, mm-hmm. right? I said, imagine physically if you walked up to your dad and said, dad, I need a hug, and dad didn't have any arms. You wouldn't get angry at him for not hugging you. You'd understand that this man doesn't have arms. That's a really good analogy, actually. You know? yeah. And he probably wants to give you a hug and imagine how he feels not being able to hug his daughter uh, if, he's, if he's aware of that, uh, if he's aware that he has no arms. Um, so flip that into mental or emotional spectrum and this man, you know, he probably goes above and beyond sometimes and this is ebb and flow as well. He probably, he probably you know, treats you like a nine out of ten Sometimes, but he often, he sometimes treats you like a two out of ten. But by and large, he's probably a five out of ten. But if you create an expectation, which is what she had done, she'd created this attachment to needing him to be a nine out of ten and set the bar at nine out of ten for him. I'm like, you've set the bar at this man's peak. You've given him no room to move, no room to wiggle, no room to be human and to be flawed. Yeah. Let's lower the bar a bit. Yeah, and, and that's and that's what I've done with my you know, work capacity. My bar is at fifteen hours a week. Yeah. Sometimes I go higher than that. Sometimes I go lower than that. But that's your that's average. the baseline. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's um, this this expectation and, and having that happiness because like, well, I'll be happy, but the condition is he has to be a nine out of ten. Yeah. So then, if any other of the million things happen in the world. <laughs> then I won't be happy. But she then she disregards all the seven out of ten things that he does. Yeah. Yeah. And often happens a lot. Like I see it a lot with um, 
stats of, of clients and that. And like you said, they metaphorically don't have the arms. Like they just, they mm. don't, they weren't taught when they were younger and they just don't know how to express their love. Yeah. And then they might express their love like they'll always give them a loan or money. Mm. And the son or daughter might be like, well, they're saying, not to him, but like, yeah. oh, I don't want money, yeah. I want love. It's like, no, no, no. That's how he gives that's, love. That's his, you need that's, to understand that's that he, his language. that's how he yeah, expresses that, you know. So I yeah, learned that with my dad, you know, undiagnosed manic depressive, left when I was four, self-medicating with drugs and alcohol. And I carried uh, guilt and um, self-flagellation uh, and also just a deep, deep anger and fear that I was going to turn out to be like him until I was 30, you know, mm. until I ended up in mum's arms that day. But what I learned to do when I was with mum was stop making it about me and start making it about him and really step into his shoes and really try and understand what mm. it would be like for a father of two, I'll call them beautiful, children, um, to wake up one morning after you've got written yourself off the night before uh, and you come to a realisation that, fuck, I left my kids at the pub. I got that pissed off. I just mm. completely forgot I had kids. Um, imagine what he would experience. Like the pain that that would cause this man would be immeasurable. Yeah. And, and so when I went into that story and when I started diving into his story and made it about him... It made it so easy for me to to forgive him. Yeah, empathy, e- empathy and compassion. You know, yeah, those things that I wish were laws. Yeah, instead of blame yeah. and victimhood. Yeah, a bit of compassion and a bit of empathy. Yeah, changes everything. Changed me, mate. And and without doing that, I I wouldn't be here where I am now. You know, right. I wouldn't be in a position where I can pass that on to people and teach people how to do that because. I haven't done it myself. I don't know what it takes to do that. Yeah, that's right. I, I wouldn't have known what it takes to do that. Well, you were able to do the inner work to step out of your story. So this comes back to what happened to us isn't our fault, but us getting past it, we're completely responsible for that. Otherwise, we're just going to blame and stay the victim forever. Yeah, but that's that garden metaphor again, you know. Yeah. I was expecting my dad to make me the most beautiful garden in the world and because he didn't... Uh, he was fucked and uh, must have said a lot about me that he didn't want to make my garden really nice yeah. and therefore I must be really shitty. So I don't deserve a good garden yeah. so I'm going to sit here and just grow more weeds. Yeah, <laughs> I, I must be a shit bloke if my dad didn't even want to make a good garden for me. Yeah. Uh, if you're wondering what the fuck we're talking about, listen to last week's Yeah, yeah, podcast. the end of last episode. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was a, a, you know, it created a massive shift for me and, yeah. and really... Yeah, going back to Vipassana, it liberated me from the bondages of, of my, my suffering. Those attachments mm. is the bondage. It's uh, attachments to what I thought he should or shouldn't have done. Yeah. Uh, so clearing those out you know, has allowed me to to stop riding those highs and lows and you know, uh, bring into my parameters these people have an ebb and a flow. So, mm-hmm. And I have one. I'm, I'm great sometimes and I'm a dick sometimes. <laughs> you know, just ask Beck. Hi, Beck. <laughs> Thank you, honey. Shout out to Beck. Yeah. Uh, so I will wrap it up there. We've gone a bit over an hour. The As ebb usual. and flow of life. I hope everyone goes out and buys a surfboard. Um, buy some board wax. Are and you going to buy a surfboard? Or um, you just um, hope everyone... You used hope again. Yeah. Oh, oh, you gotta be careful around me, man. I'm tuned into I'm tuned into I language. I do hate that word. I think I think that was that was a good use of it. You know. Okay. 
I, I encourage everyone to buy a surfboard, not literally but metaphorically, and start to ride these ebbs and flows of life, starting to look at ourselves objectively and sort of the way we're showing up emotionally and with our actions. Push your parameters out. Yeah. And bring into those parameters this acceptance of, of ebb and flow. Yeah. You know? and, but set the bar at the middle of those parameters, not at one end or the other end. Yeah. Yeah. So you're saying life's not black and white? It's a bit of grey? Drop the mic. <laughs> Thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you next week. We've got a, a couple of... Uh, yeah, subscribe if you haven't already. Just scroll down to the bottom of your app here. Hit the subscribe button. Pretty straightforward. Have you subscribed? Um, yes. <laughs> if not, I would do it as soon as we finish this episode. Uh, and if you could leave us a five-star review, that would mean heaps to us as well. It would just feed our egos, which we love. <laughs> and the next couple of weeks, uh, we've got some guests. Yes, yeah, so yeah. we've got another MindFit client coming in, an r- absolute ripper. Yep. Um, yeah, Daz gave us some feedback about his podcast. He goes, I can't believe that was my voice. He, I, he, can't, <laughs> he said it didn't sound like him, uh, not so much from a tone, but from a – uh, the language he was using. Right. So yep. he said he, he sounded so much different, yeah. uh, which was really surprising. It's awesome. Daz, nice was, Daz was amazing. He was a great guest. If you haven't yeah. listened to that episode, check out Daz's story. And yeah, we've got one of your clients coming in next week, one of my old ones uh, the week after. So it'd be good to get some other blokes' perspective on sort of their healing journey and, and them uh, becoming better versions of themselves. Yeah, man. Awesome. All right. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. See you next week. Peace. Peace. Thank you for tuning into the Woke Blokes podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. Also, leave us a five star rating. We thank you so much, and we'll see you all next time. Yeah.